0: We've left our three guys circling each other on the plane. They've run off, and our pilgrim is about to follow Virgil to a place that is unbelievable. Hi, I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast Walking with Dante, our slow walk through Dante's masterwork comedy. We are in a short passage lines 91 through 105 of Canto 16. Just to remind you, we are in the second ring, kind of on the verge of the third ring, the second ring of the seventh circle of hell. That is, we are amongst the homosexuals. That is, we are amongst the violent. That is, we are amongst the violent against God and specifically the homosexuals, those violent against God's child nature. This was explained back in Canto 11 when Virgil mapped out hell for our Pilgrim and What's Ahead. There have been episodes of this podcast in which I've presented the quibbles on that and how it may not be the homosexuals who are so punished. But I can say for sure that Dante has met his elf forefathers. The Pilgrim has begun to speak in a prophetic voice. It seemed like we came to a conclusion... But, oh, not yet, because Canto 16 is about to do something insane. It's about to become about the writing of poetry. So, without any further ado, let's do this short passage, lines 91 through 105, of Canto 16 of Inferno. I followed him, and we weren't very far along, and the sound of the water wasn't so very far away that we could barely have heard each other even if he would spoken. Like the river that's the first to preserve its way down from Mount Viso and on toward the east along the left slope of the Apennines. On up there where it's called Acquaceta, before it flows on into its lower bed and abandons its name at Forli, roaring up above San Benedetto del Alpe, falling down in one great waterfall where there might have been instead thousands, just so down that steep bank. We found the dark water clamoring so loudly that it could have done harm to our ears. Okay, we're going to stop there with a simile, the one simile. We're going to talk a lot about this simile and a lot about what's going on here. But it is so complicated and so torqued. Let me just read it again. No sound effects, just straight on, because it's actually hard to hear. Line 9, I went through 105 1, 5, Canto 16. "'I followed him, and we weren't very far along, when the sound of the water wasn't so very far away that we could barely have heard each other even if we'd spoken, like the river that's the first to preserve its way down from Mount Fiso, and on toward the east, along the left slope of the Apennines.' On up there, where it's called Aqueta, before it flows on into its lower bed and abandons its name at Forli, roaring up above San Benedetto dell'Alpe, falling down in one great waterfall where there might have instead been thousands. Just so, down that steep bank, we found the dark water clamoring so loudly that it could have done harm to our ears. One simile. Boy, are we slow walking or what? Okay, one simile, but here we are. Let's just talk about this as a geographical simile. This water that they're walking along this dike is starting to pick up speed as it descends, and we're heading toward this great waterfall. We want to talk about that in just a second. And let's just go over the geography of this. Like the river that's the first to preserve its way, the text says, down from Mount Viso. That's Monviso in modern Italian. It's up in the Cotian Alps, way up in those Alps that border Switzerland, the southwestern part of the Alps, Monfiso is one of the tallest mountains up there. Maybe the tallest, not quite sure in the in that range, but I know it's one of the tallest up there. Very high, very prominent peak. <laughs> Very beautiful if you ever wanna take a trip to the to the northern Italian Alps, but very beautiful on up there, top of the Italian peninsula, you know, the, the barrier of the Alps. Something flows down east and it comes down the left slope of the Apennines. The Apennines are the mountain chain that run down the Italian peninsula, kind of down the middle, sometimes not so much the middle, but down the middle of it. And the idea here is that you're looking south And so it flows down the left slope, the eastern slope. Notice that this mountain starts to drain water. It flows down the eastern slope. You're looking south, the left slope of the Apennines. On up there, it's called aquaqueta, which means quiet water. Uh, So Dante has named this little bit quiet water. And the idea here is that it's a small flow that is picking up speed, like our big waterfall in Inferno is doing, before it flows on into its lower bed and abandons its name at Forli and picks up another name of another river, roaring Up above San Benedetto del Alpe, so there's this place, San Benedetto del Alpe, and sure enough, even to this day, there is a place where there is a waterfall there, falling down in one great waterfall where there might have instead been thousands. The idea here is that this is a kind of ledged and um, rough waterfall, and it could have, you know, in, in normal times, let's say in the middle of the summer or in the fall, it's lots of little trickles down, little steep bits that hit and go and hit and go and hit and go but in the flood it becomes just one giant cataract so down that steep bank we found the dark water clamoring so loud that it could have done harm to our ears there's just one problem here the geography is completely garbled there is no no river that flows down from mont viso it there is no river that would flow out to the east because if a river came down from mount viso and there are rivers that come down from those parts of the alps yeah they they dump out into the veneto or they come even on farther down and dump into the po and flow out so he's trying to avoid the fl- the po here it seems or maybe the veneto so it goes to the east, and then it comes back around, and Forli and San Benedetto del Alpe, they're not on the eastern side of the the Italian peninsula. They're on the western side, and there's no river that connects. You could see a lot of commentators trying to make sense of this and say, oh, he means this river. Oh, he means that river. Really, I think the best answer is this is just garbled. Why is the geography garbled here? Well, there are two possible reasons. One is that geography is not the science in 1300 that it is today. You know, I can Google this. I can Google Montviso and I can Google these places Lee and I can see where they are. And oh, look at that. There's the map and ta-da. Now I know everything. Okay, fair enough. And in Dante's day, there wasn't Google. <laughs> it's Seems absurd to say. There wasn't Google. There, w- there weren't even common maps. Maps were the were the province, the possession of extremely well-to-do men. Dante was in the patronage of some extremely well-to-do men. He could have been around some maps, but maps were few and far between. So maybe that's why it's garbled. Or maybe it's garbled for other reasons. And this, it strikes me, is a deeper and more complex point. What if this geography is garbled here for artistic reasons? That's sort of where we want to get. So let's talk about the simile itself. This is the longest simile we have yet encountered in comedy. This passage is 15 lines long, but the simile itself is 12 lines of it. It's the longest thing we've yet encountered. There have been some runners-up. Remember that autumn leaves bit in Canto 3? The soul scattered like autumn leaves, and, and I tried to explain that it's a simile picked up from Homer to Virgil to Dante, one forward to Percy Bysshe Shelley. Remember that bit uh, of those autumn leaves? Okay, that's a runner-up to a long simile, and there is that, Long simile at the front of Canto 15 before Brunetto about the Flemish and the Paduans making their dikes. And remember, the pilgrim and Virgil are walking along this dike alongside a river. And so there's this comparison to how the Flemish build dikes and how the Paduans build dikes to safeguard against floods. And In fact, you should know that one thing that's happening here is that a fairly long simile starts canto 15 and a fairly, in fact, a really long simile ends up toward the back of canto 16, thereby tying these two cantos even tighter together. There are so many ways in which 15 and 16 are tied, and this is one of them. Start with a long simile and here as we're coming out toward the back another long simile. But there's a more important point, and here it is we're going to go over that waterfall eventually (laughs) not right now but coming to it so we're going to leave this circle the seventh of the violent and drop down into the eighth circle of fraud and one of the things you should know about the eighth circle of hell is it includes monster similes it includes a lot of sinners believe me but it includes monster similes there are some 18 liners and there is even one 26 seven-line simile ahead of us in the eighth circle of hell. And I think this 12-line simile is setting us up. It's starting to set us up for this notion of extremely long similes. And why is that? Well, there are several reasons why we could say that is. But one is I'm going to give you a, a poetic reason, and then I'm going to give you a thematic reason. You and I today, here's the here's the the, the poetic reason, you and I today divide uh, narrative from poetry. So we say poetry is one thing, it's over here, <laughs> and over here is narrative, fiction, memoir, all that kind of stuff is short stories, right? They're sitting over here and there's a division between the two. Of course, Dante doesn't make that division. Virgil doesn't make that division. Homer doesn't make that division. Dante doesn't know Homer, but Homer doesn't make that division. Poetry and narrative are not divided from each other. And so that... the poetry is becoming more elaborate, more twisted, more crazy, more difficult, indicates to us that Dante is also trusting the story, the poetics. He's trusting the art to carry forward the meaning more. That's a poetic reason. There's also a secondary reason. This is anticipating the giant similes that are going to occur in the Eighth circle which is all about fraud and I'm going to just say a little bit here before we get there but you know what's really fraud? Poetry stuff that makes up stuff that didn't really happen it's no in fact <laughs> mistake that the giant similes of comedy occur in the circle of fraud In hell. But we're going to talk so much more about that in the weeks ahead and the episodes ahead that (laughs) I might as well just drop it on you and leave it. And let's go back and look at this twisted and strange simile. You'll notice that we're back to the opening of Canto 16. Remember at the opening of Canto 16, there were three lines about how we could hear the waterfall and it was like the buzz of bees in the distance. And now, of course, we've come down the dike with our pilgrim and Virgil and now it's gotten louder. So there's that nice developmental notion there right from where it's relatively quiet the buzz of bees to now we can't even talk because it's so loud but also we should note that it seems as if the similes about this waterfall divide canto 16 we start off with one and then we get the three guys on the sand now we get another and it's more elaborate, and we're about to come upon some of the strangest passages in all of Inferno. And it seems as if... We have Dante has used these similes as structural markers for the shift in sixteen, and we shouldn't be surprised that the grander simile is sitting here before we get to what's about to happen. I'm I'm not I know I'm holding cards up my sleeve, and I'm not saying what I'm meaning exactly. But I'm just telling you that it's no mistake that there's a short simile, and then the historical heroes, and then a big simile and then something more strange than we can imagine. Let's just talk about this simile as a piece of writing. I should let you know that there is a textual issue inside of this and there are differences amongst old and probably the basic first text or as close as we can get at the first text of comedy. And it's a little bit garbled here in terms of the textual problems, but we can even forego that and say the simile itself is garbled. It is not just geographically garbled. It is in fact itself a tumbling forward of clauses and verbals and oppositions and appositions. And the phrases are actually hard to hear. It starts out, I followed him in our passage, and it's important to note that I followed him. It's not quite yet important to notice that, but right now I'm just calling your attention to the fact that the second bit of Canto 16 starts out with a direct reference to the pilgrim. I followed him. This will become important in the next two episodes of this podcast. And we weren't very far along when the sound of the water wasn't so very far away that we could barely have heard each other, even if we'd spoken. Notice all that negative. Now, if you know romance languages, you know, French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, you know that romance languages love to state things in the negative. However, this seems important to leave it in the translation in the negative because it's all part of this. What am I saying? This opacity that is starting to descend right here into the text. It's becoming less clear. In other words, it would be easier to say I followed him. We went a little ways and the sound of the water was close, so close we could barely hear each other. Now I've stated it all in the positive and it's easier to hear. By leaving it in the negative, it becomes harder to hear and you kind of have to ferret it out in your brain as you think it through and then comes assembly the itself which just becomes tumbling in terms of its fragments like the river is the first to preserve its way down from mount Vizo and on toward the east along the left slope of the apennines on up there where it's called and see that change on up there where it's called aquaqueta and now it's 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 changing it's moving around before it flows on into its lower bed and abandoned its name at Forli, which is actually farther out than san benedetto del Alpi, then it jumps back roaring up above san benedetto del be falling down in one great waterfall where there might have been thousands all of those thousands of pieces you realize that the text is replicating the waterfall. It is creating lots of streams, (laughs) lots of verbals, lots of participles, lots of appositions that are all coming together in one great flow. This thing is artistically amazing because It is difficult to understand. You can't anticipate the giant waterfall out of the thousands of clauses. But once you pound them all on top of each other, they fall over a cliff just like this waterfall itself. It is a simile that replicates the very thing it is representing, replicates it on the page. If that doesn't tell you we're about to hit Problems of Poetics... (laughs) I <laughs> I don't know how else to say it to you. We are hitting writerly problems, and they're becoming foregrounded in front of our eyes. Let's talk just a little bit more about the geography that's going down here. Remember, we start up at Mount Viso, and I said the geography is garbled, and maybe it's garbled for a poetic reason. Here's what I think. Let's go. All the way back to Canto 12, to the opening lines of the seventh circle where we come down that scree-filled slope and we encounter the minotaur and i want to read those lines to you the spot where we started to descend into the gorge was almost alpine and given what else was there was enough to make any ice on the side of it like that rock slide that shook the shores of the adige on this side of trento whether because of an earthquake or a slippage in the terrain the one that moved a mass of rocks from the mountaintop scattering them about so that they outlined a pathway down for someone up above that's what the way down that ravine was like. What's more, on the edge of the craggy chasm, the infamy of Crete, the Minotaur, was sprawled out. Okay, notice that. More tumbling clauses on top of each other. The circle of the violent starts with a simile that begins way up north in Italy, in Trento, with a bunch of tumbling clauses and ends here with a simile that starts way up north with Monviso and comes down the Italian peninsula and is a bunch of tumbling clauses. In other words... The seventh circle of hell starts and ends with a sweep down the Italian peninsula. And in fact, the entire seventh circle of hell has been a sweep down the entire Italian peninsula. We have swept all the way from the northern Italian tyrants sunk up to their neck in blood all the way down Italy to Sicily and the court of Frederick II with Pierre de La Vagne. And because we start with a simile at Trento, at the top, up there, way up, right, way northwestern Italy, and we end here, coming out toward the end, with something that goes clear up to Monviso, again, similar, similar region, close to each other, and some this one comes clear down the Italian peninsula, we're being told, without a single doubt, that the Italian Peninsula is the circle of violence. The violent are what are what, what? do I say? Encompass the Italian Peninsula. Take on the Italian Peninsula. They start at the top and come all the way down. It's not a mistake that both similes, the beginning and the end, start at the top and show. And over the course of the the seventh circle, we have seen people from. All up and down the Italian peninsula. This is going to become more important in the eighth circle, when we will actually get a tour of Italy. Various sinners will come from various cities of Italy, and we will literally get a travel guide to the sins of the towns of Italy in the eighth circle. But this is already starting in a kind of smaller way, this idea that is that the Italian peninsula is the province of the violent, which it certainly is in Dante's day. And it is the province of poetics because there have been 11 similes so far in the five cantos of the violent. 11 so far in five cantos. And that doesn't count the crab apples and the goats and the poetic metaphoric language. This circle of hell is thick with poetic language. It is thick with the geography of the Italian peninsula, and it is all about the violent and that this simile sits here before we come out to some of the most incredibly meta-talk about poetry. Hmm, No surprise, but to see that meta-talk about poetry and hear what happens, you're going to have to subscribe to this podcast and come back next time because the next passage... Oh, after this simile, it is setting up something shocking, something that tells us about the writing of poetry and something that tells us about the very art that Dante is trying to create. So subscribe to the podcast, Walking with Dante. Give it a rating. I really appreciate it. There have been some great ratings recently, and I thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Thanks for being on the walk with me. I'm Mark Scarborough. Come back next time, and let's find out what exactly the poetry of comedy is is becoming along the way.